0: Listener Production. G'day, it's Rusty here. All set for part two of my podcast with Australian Motorsport Hall of Famer Jim Reed. Because of Jim's incredible achievements over almost 60 years in the sport, we have made this a three-parter. So if you've landed here without taking in part one, head back to the library now and kind of set the scene. The beginnings of Jim's high-octane, high-horsepower life. There's stories of a young man who didn't enjoy school That didn't hold him back. How getting into a trade in his teens saved him from being sent to the boys' home, driving on the road as an 11-year-old, and sage words from a cop that would steer him toward drag racing at places like Castle Ray and change his life forever. Plus meeting Ian Cleman, the close friendship they forged, and how his commercial nous and support would help Reed become one of the most professional racers in the country. We begin this second instalment on the growing recognition of Reed and his racing team in the Aussie sporting landscape. Is it urban myth or truth that people would see the Freddie Gibson touring car transporter back then they had the gtrs and then a little bit later the commodores and they were winfield liveries too but quite often people would say is that jim reed's car in there <laughs> there's a bit of truth in that story isn't there? that would happen from time to
1: time
0: yeah we probably need to say a few things here that the touring car racing unlike what it is now in this country with supercars and so on had gone through a massive lull and really you guys were the big ticket in town well, i can you?
1: remember hmm. the having a meeting Mm. Long before whatever his, I figured his name Tony did. Cochran. Tony Cochran mm. come yep. along, which yep. was heaven sent for them. Mm. I can remember them going, "We know what it is; it's night racing." But they forgot one thing: it was the noise and the big head of flames mm. and two cars doing it side by side that, that should have been doing things, mm. doing things that they shouldn't have been doing. And it
0: was a stadium sport; everything yeah. happened right in front of you, didn't yeah. it? So but that's yeah,
1: quite mm. a few of them. Mm had their head up their ass, okay. you know. Mm-hmm. and thank Christ Cochrane come along, they'd mm-hmm. still be wandering around with their head up their ass. Mm-hmm. and they all need to go out one day and say thank you, thank you, thank you because mm. where they are today mm. if Cochrane hadn't have stepped in then mm. they were doomed. Mm. One time there I get a call from Rothmans mm. yeah, Jim we're having lunch down at this restaurant in Parramatta, will you come down? I said, yeah, right. So, down I go. There's four or five of the big bosses around. And they said, Jim, we're having a hell of a debate. What would you do? Hmm. They said, um, we're going to start the Windfield Racing Team. Mm-hmm. We're going to include some people. Yeah. And they rattled off a few names and they said, now, understand something. Alan Moffat, I didn't like. Okay. But I talked to him. Mm-hmm. I wasn't never rude to him. Mm-hmm. I just thought he was a smart ass. Mm. They said, who would you have? And they rattled off Freddie Gibson, this one and this one and this one. And Moffat. I said, Alan Moffat, I thought you didn't get along with it. It doesn't matter who I get along with. Mm. He's the best man to do the job. Mm. He's the most professional guy and he gets the job done. Mm. Give him some money, he'll get it done better. And Scaifey... It took a long while to get to know him. Mm-hmm. Scafie, Scafie, he's just mm. like me. I can be a big mouth. And, mm. But he's, he made the most of what he did. He was a damn good driver. Mm. I think he was smart when he got out. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's ambition in life, in circuit racing, as I see, because um, they always wanted to be better than Peter was. Mm. You can't, no one could ever be better Pe- than Peter. Better than Brock. No
2: one. Mm. If, mm.
1: Brock was something. And I was the third person to know he was dead. Were you? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was killed outside of a motor mine's place in Perth. Okay. Where he hit the tree. The tree. Mm. And he rang me up. And his, his name was Peter. as was all Peter mm. Pike from Perth Motorplex. Mm-hmm. And we'd been talking the day or so before and I, about something or other, Peter and I. And he rang me back and he said, Jim, quick, quick, quick. He said, is Peter Brock back in the country? I said, yeah, Peter got back two days ago. hmm he said, oh, my God, it is him. I said, what's up? He said, he just got killed outside of my house. My brother Shh, seen it. Okay. And I said, oh, that's terrible. But Peter, Peter was a ladies' man, but you'd wander in there. At the Bathurst, you'd wander around at nine o'clock at night. Peter'd be still sitting on a tin sign and autograph mm. for people. Mm. And him and I, Peter and I got along real well. And I said to him one time, you people should have gone and paid double for Peter Brock. Mm. But they wouldn't, you know. Mm. And I th- don't think Peter wanted... Get involved with tobacco tobacco back mm. then.
0: Mm. Can we talk about a little bit of racing for a second. There are some milestone moments in your in your career, both here and and some stuff that you did internationally. I want to focus on a little bit of that. Firstly, breaking the seven second mark before we get to six, before we get to five. Take us there. What was that like?
1: It just happened.
0: Did it? Where were you? Tell people where you were. And, and
1: I'm not sure whether it was here. Mm -hmm. or Adelaide Mm -hmm. but we had a lot of success in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. We loved the place but um, it was like when we ran 300 mile an hour. Mm. The car got past half track and I felt it pinning me hard in the seat. I thought shit this is quick because we'd run 298 to 299. We get to the bottom and the truck's coming down and everyone's going berserk. (laughs) Well it was the same when we were the seven. Is the crew going, about, what? Because you know, what do they all Because it became like second nature driving a fuel car. Mm. I don't want to sound like a smart-ass, but no, I've no. driven it mm. that many times. And I did an apprenticeship. Mm. I grew with it. Yeah. Explain that. When you say you grew with it, it's just, just learning. Well, well, when I first started driving a fuel car, if you ran eight seconds, wow. Oh, Hmm. You know You were, you were hauling ass. You know, that street cars do quicker than that now hmm. Guy went 5.98 or something out there With a registered street car And You you could always pick that it was going a little bit better It wouldn't be wobbling around It'd be going dead straight And you think Gee this is a pretty good run And you know it was When the crew's coming down They're all screaming, screaming. like hmm. stupid kids On the back <laughs> of the, the truck and and, and and that was the first seven Then there was the first six, and then the first five. And, you know, it was just uh,
0: to get to that though, Jim. To get to get the, the development, yeah. the the work, the yep. ingenuity. Yeah. It sounds like in time, in pure time, it's very little. The 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 life that elapses in between in, in searching for that, the incredible work by the people. It's a massive deal, mate, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, Every time you got in a fuel car, it, it would coincide with the weather being right mm. when you'd think back later for everything to click. Mm. And there's a lot of things like last weekend, we had a shocker. Mm. Nothing worked, but it was the best weather to ever race in. We just didn't, weren't ready for it. Mm-hmm. Well, back then, you didn't throw the rods out. You mm. didn't bang the blower off. You, you you went up and down the racetrack And I was always one for Not wanting to go Too much faster than the other bloke To make it too too hard for him to get there You gotcha, with
0: me? Gotcha yeah. And win, win by the narrowest margin you didn't needed Didn't matter Didn't matter Just as long didn't as you matter
1: won. as long as you got there first mm-hmm. And um, My greatest rivals was The Victorians Larry okay. Ordsby and John mar And I'd get to a race and the race they were at before where I was at, they'd run a little bit quicker. (laughs) So I'd get to a race and now I've got to step this up a little bit, see. Hmm. Well, we're at Castle Ray and it was approaching the first five. We'd we'd already run first seven seconds, first six seconds. Now we're we're getting under six and a half seconds. And I was constantly running six threes, six fours. Larry and... Ma no, would be running six five, six sixes. You <clears throat> get to this meeting at Castlereagh out they come, and they both go 612 or six two two something. Shoot a brick. Well, right at that very moment, Russell Jones was with Mike Cool in in um, Santa Ana. Uh-huh. And Mike and I were good friends. So I said to Russell said, "How's it going?" I said, "Those bloody Victorians just run quicker than me." And I can hear Cool in the background. Hey, read, hey, read, because every time I go, I go Cool and myself and yep. and, and half a dozen others would all fly to the races together, and it was like it was just like a big day out. So mm. Cool says, "Give me the phone, Russell." He said, "Jim." What size idle check valve have you got? I said, dash six. Hmm, good. Right. He said, can you put a jet in the line? He said, get a so-and-so tap and just tap in the end. And he said, you haven't got a jet all in there? I said, no. He said, put a 50,000s jet in the end of the idle check valve. says, yeah. What's that going to do? It's going to make you go faster, you fucking idiot. <laughs> right, so, Righto Mike so, Back I go Screw this idle Screw. This, put this 50,000 jet in Start the car up It's Getting a lot more volume It's sounding better More fuel uh-huh. Step on the throttle This thing goes Boom down the racer 6.09 well, They've all Yeah I can see them And I'm Towing back to the pitch deflated hit, are they <laughs> Especially John Murray And we still have a lot to do with the Mars, mm-hmm. the, the he, his nephew, yep. who owns a big engineering business down uh-huh. there. Here they are, just you, you couldn't believe they didn't they didn't pick it up and run with it mm. and think right we've got to do better than that. They just went went into a coma,
0: <laughs> deflated.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we went. I think we went 604 – it was all just through screwing that one jetty putting more volume into the car on the hit of the throttle. Wow! So we were over the moon, and naturally then it wasn't that long after we ran the first five, mm. and um, that was with the good, bad, and ugly car. Yep. But Adelaide, we used to love going to Adelaide because the Victorians had come across to Adelaide. We won top fuel three years in a row. No, sorry, we won funny car three years in a row, and mm. the nationals were in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And we run top fuel two years ago i was runner up so running the three in funny car as well and then the two in top fuel crazy it was confusion of getting out of one car into the other Yola. that lost me the final in top fuel
0: really yeah, the, dif- was, the, the difference in
1: the way they oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you'd reach up here for the parachute and that's what eventually made me stop running two cars because one night a car rose got out and one funny car, mm-hmm. had to jump in the fuel car, and i get down near the lights, reach up for the parachute, nearly tore my arm off. Sure. Yeah. And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm.
0: It, it is a misnomer for people to think that, that you know, um, top fuel is, is your only love. In fact, you loved the period when you were in the funny car too, mate, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but the reason I stopped driving funny cars was because, and I chose top fuel. Mm. Which you always knew where you were, and you could see the other guy in funny car. I don't want to sound like a big no, no. Mouth, but that's but how you always, found that's
0: how you found it, though. Obviously, I was yeah, always
1: yeah. out there mm. in front mm-hmm. with the funny car because I devised a system of driving that the thing couldn't get out of, into trouble. I used to tow the front tires right in,
2: mm-hmm.
1: lay them in at the top. and only wanted to go straight because as they get going, they would straighten out, and it had a gearbox in the car. Yep everyone had a hand shifter I didn't I put a button beside my foot I'd nail it off the start line and before it could smoke the tyres I did the shift with my foot and the current motor on down the track they'd all be up there all over the bloody race track and I'd get down the bottom and they're still coming and I used to be terrified they were going to hit me really yeah mm. absolutely terrified they were going to run up the back of me mm. well John Marr proved it when he him and and I were racing Hmm. we've left the start line and he's run off the racetrack he's got into the gravel hasn't taken his foot off he's drove it back onto the racetrack then he's drove it off then he's tipped it over upside down it's come back onto the track I'm in the other lane I'm seeing all this I turned it off he's gone through the lights upside down Hmm. then he's got the hide to turn around and say he beat me he got up at a he walked onto the stage at a presentation night, right? And they'd given me the trophy. And he's bowed it up on the stage. And he's won a protest that he got there first and he should have been the winner. So I turned around, I him and I said, you know what, John? Here, mate, I've got 20 more of them at home. You can have this. <laughs> we ran the first ever top fuel series. Hmm. It was called the Winfield Pro Series. Series, yeah. And I said to Larry, he'd stop driving. Hmm. I said to Larry, you better come work for me.
0: You began recruiting, if memory serves, to kind of build the sport. Was it about this time, I think, that you started to make real inroads with Channel 9 too to get primetime coverage for drag racing? And I, I think you were dealing with the then head of sport, Gary Burns, probably... Wasn't all that easy for motorsport to get space against the ball codes back then, and it still isn't to a degree. So uh, there was a bit of backwards and forwards to the network's Sport HQ on Sydney's Lower North Shore, and you called on
1: every kind of support or contacts you had. Go back in and see Gary Burns. So I go back in on the Monday. I he stands up at his desk. I don't know who the fuck you know. <laughs>
0: Was that in the little house at the side of Channel 9 there in that side street? I oh, know the one. I remember it. I remember, remember his it. office?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. He said, I don't give a f- I, I I don't know the fuck you know, Jimmy he said. said, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to get one minute of editing. I said, no, that's all right, Gary. I just want some prime time. And I went, Daryl Eastlakes.
2: Yeah.
1: Daryl had already told me two two or three weeks before, you ever got open to Jim? I said, we'll see. And, and I said, I'll go to Global. Mike, somebody, was the guy up there. That, mm-hmm. And he was the one, I think, that helped.
0: Nathan, I Nathan, did. get the job. Mm. Nathan Prenigast.
1: And yep. Larry used to go there and do, help do all of the editing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I said to Gary Burns, Gary, we need a top-notch director. Do you remember Mike Williamson?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Yep. He used to do Wimbledon.
2: Hmm.
0: He, he, gave, he gave me a job. I worked on the Bike GP one year at, uh,
1: at, at Eastern Creek on the support category. He Mike gave me hmm. in charge. Hmm. Darrell. Mm-hmm. We had it, mate. Mega. And we're all up here at Global. Come back a step.
0: This is all you wanting to make this happen, mate? Is it to take drag racing to a. Uh, well, what to
1: happened? The, all the managers of drag racing were offered the money from Winfield mm-hmm. And because of Bob Jane being quit for life Bob banned me from ever coming near Calder And, um, and that, that's another funny story, story. Mm-hmm. I said we've got, we've got to do this right And Daryl said you ain't got to hope in hell Jim No one will I said we'll see Daryl So we got Daryl And then we got Mike Williamson Mm-hmm. Because I think they realised then Somebody said something to them You better make sure this happens right mm-hmm. well, Larry is a perfectionist Larry Ornsby mm-hmm. Absolute perfectionist So I, I said to Larry This has got to happen so, he's, so all of a sudden One day I get a phone call It's Quit for Life From Victoria mm-hmm. Come Listen Jim Blah 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 blah, blah. We want to do this We want to do that I said You, you want to do you I said, well, I've been with Winfield forever, yeah, and I don't intend leaving them. How much money will it take, they said. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, I said, well, go on back to Victoria and call up someone else's ass." And I walked out. We are in the... Um, this big flash-fucking hotel where we organised dinner and everything. In Sydney? Yeah, yeah so... Yeah. Anyway, so... Off he goes, and then Bob Jones started on me. Don't you ever set foot in Calder. Don't you do this. Don't you do that. Cut a long story short. Quit for life. Leaves him. He goes. The best drag race I've ever seen, ever been to, Hmm. was the 1995 Nationals at Calder Park. I rang Bob one day. He used to avoid me. He'd see me coming at Bathurst. He'd head off in another direction. I'd follow him. How you going, Bob? (laughs) Anyway... So I call him up. Who's this? Probably in my file, we've still got the letters he wrote. me. Hmm. I'll run you off, I'll have you arrested. Don't ever set foot in here with your tobacco, Tilt your tobacco, see? So I ring him up. There you go, Bob, it's Jim Marie Oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah, hi Jim, what's happening? He said, Bob, I want to sponsor the Nationals. He said, what? I said, I want to sponsor the Nationals. It called a park. I got 50 grand. I've got free television, I'll have helicopters, Darrell lakes. right, uh, right, right, well I'll, I'll get Larry to come round and see you and we'll get all this tidied up, eh? I said, when it comes to money, Bob, we're all prostitutes, aren't we? <laughs> And that was probably one of my greatest victories. Yeah. And Bob and I are in you know, a good friends. We had over 50,000 people there. Amazing. We had two helicopters in the air. Would you believe Tom Hoover driving my second car won it? He, uh, he beat us earlier. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know what happened. I just think that I was too involved with that event. Event, yeah. And I, I'd still today, if you climb upstairs in my office... Mm-hmm. Uh, in my workshop, you'll see a pallet It's got Every inch of footage From the Channel 9? Everything Every inch of footage That was ever taken of the Winfield Pro Series Plus You need to save that, Jim That needs to be digitised No one wants it No, I've got all the rules I've got all of the rules of the footage of the shows, plus I've got every inch of footage ever made, and I believe I've got much uh, another pallet that's VH supercar stuff. Wow, it's all, all down there.
0: S- someone should preserve that if if it's preservable They should do that.
1: Ask Nathan. Yeah, he'll tell you what yeah. we got. Okay, it's uh, okay. it's there. It's just I can't do anything with it. I can sign my name, but I can't do any of that. The, the, the digitising.
0: The thing that, that intrigues me here, I want to talk a little bit about America in a second, but but this is a, a period of you... A, again, I, I don't know how you did it from a time perspective, mate. I'm, you're obviously racing and there's family and business and whatever else, but you are going 10 tenths, 11 tenths, putting back into the sport as well. And I, I, was like, and I, I mean... Darrell Eastlake, I I, uh, I still have the the fondest memories of yeah. him uh, letting me use his microphone when I was a junior commentator and things like that. I mean, just the perfect voice for what you were were doing and showcasing, wasn't he?
1: Well, I knew that see. Mm. We needed somebody at that time mm. that if when he spoke, people turned their heads. Yeah,
0: excitement, it's, Mr. It's excitement.
1: Daryl mm. was just. Outstanding mm. at doing that. Mm. Um, and he I remember him saying you'll never get it. you'll never it'll never happen, Jim. It'll never mm. I suggest we'll. Mm. It'll happen. We'll make it happen. Mm. And we did. I would never give up. I
0: We've had a little a little pause here for a moment, so you can have a jelly bean, which is understandable. I can hear them shaking in the in the background. And that's because you're <laughs> gluco boost, Gluco and that's because you're a diabetic mate. Now there yep. is a little bit of a story about how that was Diagnosed, is that right?
1: Yeah, we um, straight after the crash hmm. at Willowbank. They said you're in no pain. What are you going to do? I said I'm going home. Hmm. So Noel and I jump in the car. This was that night, mm-hmm. and it was before the freeway. Long before there was in the no, I just say uh, and all of a sudden, the painkillers started to wear off. We're just getting close to Newcastle and I was driving. Yeah. And I said to Noel, we used to have a routine where we wouldn't stop. Swap drivers, keep going. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And there was a guy following us, and we were getting where the cutting for the freeway was. Mm-hmm. Cutting it, cutting it amongst the big
0: sandstone, the big rock, the big, yep, yep, I know where you are. Yep.
1: So what happened was I pulled over to the side of the road, Noel jumped out, ran around, I slid across the seat and took off again. And just before we took off, this guy who was following us had gone by and vanished into the cutting. And as we come around the corner, a B-double had come across the freeway, mm-hmm. down in the gully, come up and, go, and kill this guy, stone dead, in front of us. And the are shock so- of it all...
0: Are you saying that could have been you guys if you hadn't stopped? Yep. <laughs> he nods his head,
1: yeah. I think I'm a cat, I think I've had nine lives. <laughs> anyway, um, it was it was horrendous. Hmm. This car was just flattened up against the stone wall. You couldn't, no way, you no way. It. Mm. you could have mm. predicted that that was going to happen. Mm. And this is just the doctor's version of, between that and then young Louis Raposado used to come around to my place a lot. Louis begging me. Jim, Jim, go and tell Dad We'll go race and we'll do this, we'll do that see, So So after my crush had happened Because Louis and his father took me to the ambulance mm-hmm. We go up to Willowbank And Bruce and the boys all used to get together and help Louis
2: mm-hmm.
1: And we're, we're at Willowbank And <clears throat> Louis in the car And he's had a problem So they've shut it off and everyone's hanging around waiting for Louie to hmm. get ready to do the run. And whatever it was, I think it was a minor oil leak, they fixed it up. Louis left the start line, gone straight out and it was just like in a big arc. Somewhere around. Ploughed into the Armco railing. And Louie turns around to Sando and says, Come on, Sando, we've got to go pull another one out. Made enough to pull me out hmm. of the wreck. And we get down there and the ambulance guys are just not doing anything. Mm. And Bruce is sitting on the ground, screaming at him, do something to help him, do something to help him, and cradling, cradling Louie on the ground, Bruce was. Mm. And they said, we've got to take him to the hospital. He was already dead. Sure. tore the main artery out of his heart. Oh. He was dead. We get to the hospital, and Sando's just... Beside himself. Mm. He's in a trance. Mm. And he's calling out Louis's name and calling out Louis's name. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible it was. So they <clears throat> went over to the head woman at the hospital. I said what can we do? She said nothing. Let him roam. Just let him walk. He's got to get it out of his system. He's got to get mm. it out. Mm. If we try and restrain him. It'll be terrible to see so. Anyway cut a long story short. It was sure enough Louis was dead and it hit us all pretty bad. Mm. And um, we get back home and they've got to get the body back from Queensland and mm. whatever. Turns out, I knew the Undertaker mm-hmm. uh, through another good friend. I'd, I'd met this guy. Mm. <coughs> well, every morning I'd have to go up to Sando's place where they lived on Yodianth Avenue. And Italians, being Italians, mm. the blinds are pulled, and I'd get there every morning and they'd all be sitting around moping, and, mm. and naturally, because yeah, of course. this woman's lost her son. Mm. Sando's in the bedroom and he's in another world, and you know, he's lost his son and still hadn't accepted it. And then one morning, I get a phone call. Jim, 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 get here, hurry, get here and hurry. Now, we've opted
0: to hit the beep here, not because Jim swore. We hit the button mainly because you can gather what might have been happening or perhaps contemplated. If you or anyone you know or love is having a personal crisis or needs help, it is very important, please, that you talk to them or seek assistance from the good people at Lifeline or a similar service I also don't want to upset the Rappasada family by going into too much detail here Jim's story is actually quite powerful we will continue now as he intervenes to help and endeavour at what is a a very difficult time to get life back on track for them
1: They all are sitting around morbid and I just Turned around and said Get out Everyone get outside Somebody get the barbecue going. Tore all the curtains Off the wall hmm.
0: Get some light Get some vibrance Back into this Some life Mo- Move forward I said kind come of thing. on We're all
1: going hmm. outside I picked up Picked his wife up She she had polio Bad as a kid Sando's wife mm-hmm. I said come on We'll take you outside Somebody get me a chair Out there in the air uh, I said somebody Get the barbecue Going we're going to Go outside And said Finally get everybody outside and uh, tore the shit out of me. I'll bet. Anyway, a couple of nights later, we pull a girl out of a car upside down and almost drowned and bruising the boys. So down the road here? Mr. Ben. No, from yeah, going to Santos. Yeah. And the doctors reckon the shock of all of it is what...
0: Triggered your, yeah, triggered diabetes. your diabetes. Can we divert here for a moment and talk... America you've talked about the great relationships you have um, with some very big names in in drag racing, one thing that um, those that love the sport will remember fondly is 1982 Pomona, California you become the first Australian to be a top fuel, top qualifier at a US national hot rod event was that a little bit Surreal, mate. What? What? And well, it, was a, it was a borrowed car too, I think, wasn't well, so it? Tell me all the, the, the back story to that. Yeah,
1: there was a guy by the name of Ron Trotter. Hmm? And Lee Cohen was the guy who used to send our exports out for us. Hmm? And Lee said, Trotter will lend you his car if you want to come here and do some runs. And said, "What? <clears throat> how's he off for motor parts? Oh, he's got plenty of everything. And we thought, uh, you know. Anyway... I was talking to Uncle Ian one day, and I said, Ian, I'm thinking of going to talk to the Winter Nationals. I love the Winter Nationals. Look, I'm going nuts here too, mate. I've got half a sandwich. That's all right. That's
0: right. You've got to eat. You Please might have noticed eat. that. Was
1: <laughs> a- anyway. So Uncle Ian gave us the money for the airfares and everything. Yep, you go.
0: Yep.
1: We turned up there, and this guy has this massive house. But out the back's there's a the workshop and it's got this race car in it, mm. and it and it was nowhere near resemble what he told us on the phone as to being ready. And we have a lob there for us, Gary Phillips yeah. from Queensland, myself and Russell and Denise. <coughs> We're looking at it, oh my God, and we've entered a race. and So we get this car and we go out to the races. First thing that goes wrong is <coughs> Gary Beck, who was a friend of mine as well, but had a bit of a dog don't help him told everyone don't help him these smarties come here from another country and think they're better than us blah 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 see so we get out we start the car up his fuel pump shears. we had our cylinder heads we had our our injectors Mm -hmm. and other bits and pieces that we'd bought with us on the plane see okay so we're wandering around and I see Marvin Graham. I said, Marvin, I need a a fuel pump in a hurry. Well, you know, Beck's been over here telling us, he says, (laughs) that we shouldn't help these foreign bastards. (laughs) Stuff, Beck. (laughs) So he gives me a fuel pump. (laughs) This is something you'll appreciate. Do you notice how the fuel cars have... A lot of fuel coming out yep. when they're running. Yep. But they'd never seen that in America before we got there.
2: Wow.
1: It was more by luck than judgment. We go... We've got to hurry. We've got to be in the staging lanes. We put this fuel pump on. Hey, Marvin, what size is this fuel pump? It's two sizes bigger than the one we had. Whew. Holy shit. So... We start this thing up. There is fuel, and here's Russell and Gary Fields going. <laughs> no one else putting. Put, there is fuel going everywhere. And here's Beck standing back there, big smirk on his face, see? So I do the burnout. I look, backing up, the thing's pulling so hard, i got my knee between the steering wheel, and I'm pulling the brake on to try and slow it down, going back. Help! That's how much power. How it had. Yeah. I get it back into forward. I pull in, pull up, pull the first stage light on. Whoever's in the other line pull their stage light on. When the green the, the tree come down, step on the throttle. You wouldn't believe The grunt. How hard it left. Boom, down the racetrack. It's a coincidence that it had been something like eight years since anyone had run in the 560s. And Don Garlitz was the last one that had run in the 560s mm-hmm. when it was at Ontario Ontario Motor Speedway that was built for the California 500, which is now a Kmart, Okay, right? They could see 250,000 people on concrete seats at this place, right? And Beck, uh, Beck had been there and he'd run a 68 and a 69 and thought he had the game tied up at that particular event. Garlets turns up, it was, him and I were a good mate. Garlets turns up and goes out and goes 563. Well, Beck's ass fell in. So here we are. This thing's gone down the race track and I think it went 589 or something <laughs> like <that. laughs> uh, Sorry, 569, Yeah. right? Everyone's door's dropped, yeah. door's dropped. We're number one qualifier. So Bex comes up to me afterwards and goes, <clears throat> by this time tomorrow night, you'll be on the bump. <laughs> that's, for those who don't understand what the bump is, that's number 16. Yep. And Out. there's still more cars to mm-hmm. run. You're mm-hmm. on the bump, see? Mm-hmm. I said, is that right, Gary? He says, yes. So off he goes. He was r- driving for a guy by the name of Larry Miner. Mm-hmm. Larry was a good guy. Yep. He was a potato farmer. I think he sold all his potatoes to M- McDonald's. So... We ran in another couple of qualifying sessions and everyone was running high to middle 570s and we didn't want to bust its backside, so Mm -hmm. comes the end of the meet. Oh, and Gary Beck would walk out and he'd stand in the lane and and as I'd back up from doing the burnout, he'd stare at me all the way back and I used to give him the big salute and all (laughs) So Beck's on the bump, not me. I'm oh, number one, wow. he's on the bump. So he goes out for his last qualifying shot. So you can guess what I did, can't you? I stood out there and as he backed up, I just stared at him and went. <laughs> we stayed number one. He's well, a reminder. His boss come over and give us the biggest bottle of, uh, I forget what it was, some bourbon or something yeah. or other. Yeah. And, and said, well done, well done. Hmm. Anyway, afterwards, we, between... That night and the next day racing, all the other drivers. Congratulations. So tell us. We guess you had sixty-five in the mag. Yeah. We guess you had forty over on the blower. Yeah. We guess you had ninety-one percent in the tank. Yeah. Just everything you said. I just said yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I want to know what you did. (laughs) And you weren't going to give anything away. Were you? Tell anybody. (laughs) Anyway. You're not going to believe it, we go out in the first run and um, we got down just past the thousand foot and the transmission, because we used to have a two speed transmission back Mm -hmm. then. Transmission, all the plates snuffed out in it, and the guy in the other lane just gradually, I'm going, no, 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 because this thing's losing power. Power, yeah. And he just nipped me right on the lights. So we're out. But was the first foreigner to ever top qualify.
0: Amazing. That whole scene for you, I mean, having come from uh, Castle Ray and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, that whole American scene must have been mind-blowing, mate, was it? The, the
1: Well, it was because Wally Parks was the founder of the NHRA and he begged me to stay on for some more races.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He said, everyone's going to come and want to see this guy from down under.
0: under yeah.
1: So no, mate, we're going home to my kids'.
0: As is your way. As is your... Mm. You're almost going to be like the Crocodile Dundee coming to no. coming to drag racing, mate, were you? No, it's
1: just... You know, the, the, sure, it would have been great, great to stay. Yeah,
0: but that's not your way. Your no, way is I family. Just, you're a family man. I've known that for yep. a long time.
1: Yeah, mm. I just... Um, couldn't imagine mm. being away from my kids. Mm. You know, look, my kids... Mum, Cheryl... And I We divorced early mm. There was nothing Whatsoever That ever came between The kids came first yes. With the both of us Well done didn't matter whether We wanted to kill each other
0: mm. Not in front of the kids Kind no, of thing, yeah. mm. No mm. way mm. And,
1: mm. Um, I can remember Cheryl Used to go away On holidays mm. Anyway one day She pulls up out the front She got all the kids To come and she was off to Brisbane mm-hmm. We are in Greystones And she says um, Listen The kids don't want to go So what do they want to do They want to stay here with you I said well sure don't ruin your holiday She says, I'm sure not going to ruin my holiday Out <laughs> <laughs> But you would have happily taken You would have happily had them oh, of course. yeah mm. oh, We used to mm. We used to pull tricks on us yeah, We were racing in Adelaide one time Bruce was a young fella Probably I don't know where he was, 13 or 14, I I can't remember. Hmm. And we'd pre-planned it. There was this box we left outside the garage door. I ring Cheryl up, we're in Adelaide. Cheryl, we left home, forgot something. Can you book Bruce an air ticket? Can you go around and get the box that's sitting outside the door? Give it to Bruce and put take it into the plane. She said, Yeah, sure, no problem. There's <laughs> nothing in the box. <laughs> I think he threw it away. Yeah. you just wanted to become the risers. Oh yeah, look yeah. It's hard to accept he's sixty at the end of this one.
2: If you're enjoying Jim Reid, make sure you check out the recent episode with TV directing wizard, Nathan Prendergast. Nathan has just about done it all in motorsport TV, and he actually started out commentating drag racing in Western Australia as an 11 year old.
1: There would be
0: low level street meets or race meetings and no commentators would obviously turn up for it. It wasn't really worthy of it, but people would want to know- The results. The The results, what was the ET, what was the speed? And I, and so one day dad said, Nathan, can you just stand here when the time slips come out of the machine, pick it up, key on the microphone and just say, Left lane, read out the name, the ET and speed. So I started doing that and then obviously I just couldn't help myself and I'd add some commentary on the last pass or I would talk about You're such a shy type Well aren't you? yes, I'm very shy, shy and reserve.
2: Nathan has a revelation in this episode of Rusty's Garage about a new TV deal for Australian drag racing that will be great for the sport. He also helped Rusty with some intel for this podcast with Jim Reed.
0: Your want side of your own racing was also to help the sport to progress. And and you did some things very early on. You, you um you know, it was a very blokey game, but you you convinced them about things like no grog, so it would become more of a family orientated yep. thing. So so wives and kids would would come along. I mean, that was a pretty big step
1: to a take. A lot of, hmm. a lot of that, a lot of that stopped at the end. But I I I was brought up, you know, alcohol family that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Never drank beer. Mm. Couldn't stand it. My brother and my dad drank beer, but outside of our family, I've seen a lot of violence mm-hmm. through alcohol. Okay. And to see a woman get smacked across a room and bounce off a wall mm. by some drunken bastard, mm. just didn't. I, I mm. was terrified
2: mm.
1: that I, if, that if I drank beer, I'd end up like, like that, that mm. wanting to smack someone. Mm. I was 27 when I had my first drink, and it was a cherry brandy (laughs) in the the Three Swallows pub near Yaguna there. And um, I'm the opposite, Mm. but I was terrified because my brother was a bad alcoholic, Mm. really bad, Mm. and all he wanted to do was fight Mm. people. Mm. And... um, he didn't have a real good life, and he had meningitis of the brain when he was 14. They told him, go home, he's going to die. He never died. Mm. But he'd get grog in, and the slightest thing. Set him off. Would send him off, mm. and he'd want to thump someone. Mm. Or he'd misunderstand. Like, you could be sitting there talking to me, and you could turn around and say, oh, Jim, you're, God, you're a mm. prick, you know. Mm. He'd deck you on the oh, spot. Wow. Yeah. His mm. tempers would flare. Mm. And I, I was always scared of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I drink a lot of scotch. <coughs> my wife can tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm not a nasty drunk. Mm. If I was, I'd never drink. Mm. <coughs> the the where I'm going here is that
0: over that course of time, mm. that partnership that you had with with Winfield and so on, it wasn't just about sponsoring Jim Reed Racing. It was actually about creating things around yep. the sport. From yep. from I mean from from my side. One of the very first commentary jobs, in fact, the first commentary job I ever did as a as a guest commentator over the PA was Winfield Triple Challenge yeah. at Eastern Creek.
1: That was unreal. Oh,
0: unreal, it? unreal. To think that you could bring together everything—bikes, cars—and then at night, when it all finished, all the circuit racing stuff finished, we'd fire up the drag racing, yep. and then you'd get <coughs> Wayne Gardner versus Glenn Seton roaring up the you know up the drag strip in their in their touring cars it was awesome. And they wanted to,
1: mm. you know, the mm. boys. Were, they were like us back then. Mm. They were enthusiasts. It hadn't gone to their head. Mm. They, they enjoyed doing it, mm. but there was a lot who didn't. At at the time, <coughs> we were on top of the world. Mm. And if things happen, along come
0: Tony Cochran. Mm. Yep, their world changed, didn't it, mate? Mm. It had to. Mm.
1: And I used to say, somebody needs to go out and talk to that man. Hmm. I said, because we have platted. Hmm. And the only reason we platted through greed and the races themselves. Hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? They, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: they They got so up their own backside about what they were doing. Hmm. It's like the, the last race in Sydney, just gone by. Had some guys come up and they started to talk and, you know need to do this and need to do that and need to do something to, else to fix
0: the sport you're talking to and, To, to and, unify it to make it better and, yeah, and, yeah.
1: and I said I said to this guy you know one thing we've run out of here what's that I said wingers <laughs> I said we've run the wingers out don't come racing top fuel if you're going to piss and moan about everything if you make hmm. the decision to run here hmm. don't come in here and have the audacity then to start pissing and moaning about the rules and regulations. Mm. Be a pioneer, not mm. not not a prick.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, and do it, not a couple a, of,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a couple of them started going on and said, mate, you, oh, you, won't, you won't race me if you mm. want to keep on going like that. Mm. You know, thinking... V8 supercars, drag racing... A little bit similar, and it needs a fair amount of money. Yes, to make it happen. Yep. You can't expect the promoter to pay you all the money you think you deserve, because mm. there's too many of you. Mm. You can't expect. We go to Darwin to race. The government pays us for us to come up. We're out of pocket when we get home. Mm. But if it helps it get going up there one day, there might be more money to go for. Yes. And people need to understand something. I'll tell you now. Eastern Creek Raceway wouldn't be there where it is if it had started running a lot of major events. So it's got a piss only got a piss-down rain mm. and you're a quarter million bucks out of pocket as a promoter, because mm. you've paid for all your advertising, mm. you've paid for all the preparation of the venue, you've got all of these people who have bought tickets in advance that you've got a refund. Fund,
2: yeah.
1: And you're not making any money. Okay. I mean if the drag swashes it, w- w- Top Fuel Australia along with Andy. And Nathan and mm. others, they go in and do a track hire. Mm-hmm. Now Eastern Creek Raceway is only there because all of the track hires they do. Mm. They, you notice they don't put on any events, do they? You're talking about the the, um, the circuit race. Yeah, no, the, right. the circuit race guys. Yeah, you're, the the ARDC mm-hmm. are like real estate agents. They're renting the place, the place out. out. Mm. It's the only way they've survived. Mm. And I applaud them for it. Although mm. I hate some of them, mm. I applaud them for it because they're still there mm. after all this time. Mm. And back when Nick Ryan had built the place,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, the, you know, to piss-down rain, the place was a boggy, and everything like that, and all the motorbike shops were going to come in and run, and I said, Nick, that's never going to work, never mm. going to work. Anyway, <clears throat> after the motorbike race was over and... A couple of months go by and nothing's happening there. Mm. So, Griner sends a guy out to talk to me. He said, Jim, what would you do to fix the place? I said, Well, you've got to get rid of all those motorbike people out of Enthusiasts honestly believe that there's a cow to milk and, you know, mm. the golden dollar's going to fall out every time you squeeze it. Mm. He said, It's not going to happen. I said, It's not football. Mm. I said, It's motorsport. It's mm. too expensive to expect one single promoter to take the responsibility for, if it rains, no spectators. Yep. Mm. Guess what? He's blown his bank. Mm. So said, what would you recommend? How do you think we should fix it? I said, I'll get you a guy. I rang Kevin Prendergast. said, yep. Kevin, we need you. Yep. So Kevin, come over. Accommodation mm. everything.
0: <clears throat> He'd been, he'd been uh, running Ravenswood, hadn't he, in, uh, in WA That's and right. done a very good job there. And, and a lot of people had noticed what, what a good job he'd done. Mm.
1: Every, every, and I, I said to him, this is your man. Mm. <coughs> well, Kevin ran it right up to them, headed over the ADC.
2: Mm.
1: Well, he'd already been offered a job to go and take on it. Philip Ireland. Mm. <coughs> Which he did. But Kevin's, Kevin's a natural. Kevin's mm. uh, very good in that
0: role. I mean, he's a good friend of yours, I know, mate, but he's in... Oh, you
1: tell me to fuck off. Really? bother me <laughs> if he's too busy. And he, him and I have a real good understanding. It's, yes, Jim, yes, Kevin. <laughs> okay. Kevin, what about this and this? Oh, fucking not now. Piss off. <laughs> There's no better man to do the job. I mm. wanted him to come and run Sydney. Mm. This time. Yeah. And um, the, he... he Kevin's too happy doing what he's doing, Doing. Mm. and and he does it. Does
0: it well. Mm. Yeah, Mm.
1: and you can't drag it. There's not that much responsibility there for him. Mm. All he's got to do is do what he knows best, make it happen. That's the end of part two of my podcast with
0: Andra Drag Racing Hall of Famer Jim Reed. But the good news is we are not done yet. It is a beautiful afternoon here. Jim is enjoying the conversation and there's still a bit more ground to cover. So there is a third installment of this podcast, something we don't often do. It's all loaded up and ready for you to enjoy right now. Remember, with a life this full, we just won't get to every story in Jim's incredible career. Good excuse to sit down for another yarn perhaps with him in the years ahead. Part three covers the exciting new chapter in Australian drag racing that was announced on the day we recorded. The car that he had perhaps the greatest attachment to and navigating the politics to ensure Sydney had a purpose-built drag racing venue for generations to come.